Welcome to week nine online. Week nine. Wow. I think at this time we're hearing a lot of stories of families struggling and um, different challenges that are that have started to arise and really come to to a head. And if you would let us know those concerns, let us know those needs. In the app or in the platform that you're watching this on Church Online, there's a form there. It says contact. Um, click the contact tab and let us know if you have any needs, if you have any concerns, if you have any prayer requests, uh, if you need food, whatever it is, let us know. And we're, we're going to do the best we can to meet those needs. Or you might know somebody who needs supplies. We would love to get those supplies in your hands so you could deliver them to, to the, those friends of yours. So just let us know. Fill out the contact form. Give us all the information that we need and someone will be in contact with you. Well, this weekend, let me encourage all of us that God is not through with us. Say that. God is not through with me. God is not through with me. Say it one more time. God is not through with me. If you would have asked my friends in ninth and 10th grade, would Brian ever become a pastor? They would say no. And if you would have asked some of my teachers, would Brian become a pastor? They would have said no. And there's many different reasons because of that. I wasn't living the life I, I should have been living and my attitude was not a good attitude. And, um, and I didn't really care about a lot of things. And, I, and I'll tell you more of the story at the end of the message. That's more of the cliffhanger. But I just am so grateful to God that even though some people wrote me off, God never wrote me off. Amen? That God was never through with me. And I'm so grateful to be here now because of, of, of what God has done in, in my life and through people's and through caring people. And, uh, and so if you're here and you're a teenager, we're glad you're here. I am glad you're here. If you're in middle school, if you're in high school, let us know. If you're a cakey, let us know. Parents, let them have your phone or the, or the computer. Let them write silly things saying, yeah, I'm a teenager. I'm a 15. I'm here. Um, Pastor Brian's the coolest or whatever it is. Seriously, we love teenagers. We love cakey. We love middle schoolers and high schoolers. And, and, uh, and I remember being that age. And I remember the struggles and the different things I went through. And like I said just a second ago, I'm so grateful that God wasn't through with me then. And for the keiki and the middle school and high school and the college and young adults, God is not through with you. And for everyone listening, God is not through with you. So teenagers, keiki, let us know you're here. Just tell us your name and how old you are and, and, um, and, and you belong here. We're so glad that you're here. And, and you know, what I, one of the things I love about God, he uses people that most people would probably say, no, I'm not going to use them. For example, God used Abraham. Abraham was old, really old, but God still used him. Job. Job went through a lot, but God still used him. He went bankrupt. He lost everything he had, but God still used him. Moses had this speech problem or this um, alleged speech problem, but God still used him. Rahab was a prostitute. God still used her. The Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 was divorced and had many partners, 
but God still used her. And as we see, every time God encounters somebody, there's a life change that happens. Every time Jesus encounters somebody, there's a life change that happens. And when we read scripture, it is so refreshing and beautiful because it tells us these stories of these real life men and women who lived. It tells us the good stuff about them and it tells us the bad stuff about them. So they didn't have it all figured out. They made mistakes, but yet God still used them. And when they encountered God, they turned from their sins and they turned to God. And so even if we're here and we're worn out and we're exhausted and we're like, I don't know if God can use me. I'm tired. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. May this message be refreshing. May this message be one that brings you hope and brings you encouragement that only God can do. And may you know and understand that God loves you and he's not through with you. He has a plan for you. So we look at the disciples and um, if you think about the disciples, uh, the people, again, Jesus chose were people society didn't necessarily choose. And so Jesus had 12 disciples. I'm just kind of curious, can you name the 12 disciples? Go ahead and write in the comment section, uh, the 12 disciples. And don't Google it, though. Just off the memory, who are, who are they? You're like, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Wait a minute, was Mark a disciple? Oh, wait, was Luke a disciple? Ah, I'm throwing some curveballs in there for you. So think about this. Who were the 12 disciples? And uh, if you really want to look it up, you can look up Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 to 4, and there's uh, a couple other lists in there as well. But let's look at just six of the 12 disciples just briefly, and let's see who they were, and let's see the fact that God wasn't through with them. They were not perfect. They, 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 they were messy. They were not the ideal people, but God had a plan for them. And when Jesus, when they met Jesus, wow, their lives changed. Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector. So in the minds of every Jew, he was a traitor. The second person, uh, disciple I want to sh share with you is Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter was a zealot. A zealot is somebody who wanted to overthrow the Roman power, the Roman occupying power by force. So it's interesting that you have Matthew who worked for the Roman government, then you have Simon Peter who wanted to destroy the Roman government, and then Jesus is like, let's throw some fishermen in, just, just for the fun of it, and let's get these 12 guys together, and let's have them get along and change the world for the kingdom of heaven. I love how God thinks his, his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And he sees so much potential in us that we don't even see in ourselves. So we got Matthew. We got, we got Simon Peter. And Simon Peter was the guy that all he needed was a little hint of truth. And then he went full force. Simon Peter saw Jesus on the lake and bam, he left the boat and went to Jesus. The third person is Andrew. The third disciple is Andrew I want to highlight. Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. When Jesus came to Andrew and called Andrew to follow him, you wonder what Andrew did? He went to his brother Simon Peter and said, you got to come with me and meet Jesus. Andrew was most likely an introvert. He was the guy that was behind the scenes. And he's a perfect model for Christians 
who worked for the Lord quietly. A perfect model of someone who was greatly loved by the Lord. You probably know the name D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was probably the top 10, top 20 greatest evangelists in American history, especially in the 19th century. D.L. Moody's influence still uh, resides with us to this day. But one name you may not know is Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was the school teacher or the Sunday school teacher of D.L. Moody. And Edward Kimball shared the gospel with D.L. Moody. And ever since he shared the gospel, that Jesus died, that he rose again, that he conquered death, that you could live with him forever, that, 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 that you are just absolutely loved, D.L. Moody was on this track to just change the world for Christ. And so maybe you're not called to preach to thousands and millions and hundreds. Maybe, maybe you're to be like the Edward Kimball where you speak into someone's life and you tell them how much God loves them. So who is that person in your life that you could go to and say, let's talk story and let's talk about faith and, and let's share and let me tell you how much God loves you and let's talk scripture Fourth and fifth is James and John. James and John were known as sons of thunder because they're always arguing and always bickering. Kind of like our kids, always arguing and bickering. They're like in close contact and like, that's my toy. No, that's my toy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. But James and John, they were called sons of thunder because they're always fighting. Not only that, but their mom would get in the mix and be like, yo, 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 Jesus, here, let me tell you this. <laughs> And so James and John were just like, just full on. At one point, they're going to a Samaritan village and they went ahead of Jesus to prepare the way. And the Samaritan village was like, nah, we don't really care if Jesus comes. You know what James and John said? They said, Lord, let's bring down fire on this village because they didn't welcome you. It's in the Bible. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. At the time, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he said, uh, them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. You want us to call down fire? Like James and John had the power to bring down fire on a village. Like, but that's the type of mentality they were. They were rough around the edges. They were full on. But as we see the development of James and John, especially John, you read the, the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. What do we see? We see a theme of love in those chapters. Jesus got a hold of James and John, and he refined them. Anytime Jesus gets a hold of us, we're never the same. Amen? When Jesus gets a hold of us, we are never the same. And may we always be in prayer and in communion with the Lord and say, Lord, continue to refine me so that my life may be more of a blessing to you. James and John were never the same after they met Jesus. And may you and I never be same after we meet and encounter Jesus. Because Jesus molds us 
and he and he holds us and he and he and he and he's there to care for us and he's there to correct us and he's there to help us mature in him. Well, the sixth disciple I want to highlight of the twelve is Thomas. Now, Thomas I think gets a bad rap because it's always doubting Thomas and. Thomas was a, was a skeptic. Now, I don't think being a skeptic is all that bad because Thomas was a skeptic, but here's the difference that he was a skeptic, but when he found the truth, when he saw Jesus uh, physically rose from the grave, the bodily resurrection, when he saw Jesus with the, with, with the, the marks in his, in, his, in his wrists and on his feet, he said in John 20, my Lord and my God. And from that moment on, he was 100% for God. So he had questions. But once he was able to wrestle with those questions and see the risen Christ, oh, he was full on 100% for God. And so I like Thomas because uh, I like the fact that questions are good. It's okay to ask questions. If you're in college, it's a great time to ask questions. But, but let those questions lead you to faith. Let those questions lead you to a point where, where, where you have a thirst to know more about God, a thirst to know more about his word. And may those questions lead you to who Jesus is and what he wants from you. But keep asking questions. So we can go through the rest of the disciples, but I think we get the point that the disciples had issues, they had flaws, some were loud and reckless, some were quiet, more behind the scenes, uh, and the other disciples had their flaws as well. But when they encountered Jesus, wow, everything changed. There was a reluctant hero in the Old Testament, his name's Gideon. And in Gideon chapter six, we find this out. In Judges, sorry, Gideon chapter 6. There's no Gideon chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Seven years. So the Israelites did evil. Seven years they were handed over to the Midianites. Say seven years. Put it in the comment box there. Seven years. Seven years the Midianites were oppressing the Israelites. So for seven years, how many? Seven years, just checking. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from uh, Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. The Midianites had been attacking the Israelites for the past seven years. How many years? Seven years. They would swoop in at the time of harvest, do destruction to the Israelites, and then take their crops for their own personal gain. Now, slow down for a minute. Just think about that. For seven years, the Midianites were oppressing the Israelites. And this is the context, the scene, where we're introduced to this reluctant hero, Gideon. Judges chapter 6, verse 11b to verse 12. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Gideon was in a winepress threshing wheat. Now, 
I don't know much about threshing wheat, but what I understand is that when you thresh wheat, you're supposed to be in the open air. And 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 you separate the wheat from the chaff. The chaff you just want to, to go away. But you want to keep the wheat, but you need open air and a lot of space for that. He was in a wine press. A wine press was um, basically a, a hollowed out rock in either circular or a square shape where about four or five people could fit into it and you would put grapes in there and they would stomp on the grapes to make wine. He was hiding because he was scared from the Midianites and he was threshing wheat in this wine press. And then an angel of the Lord came and says, Hail mighty warrior. Think about that. He's in a wine press. He's hiding. But this angel says, Hail mighty warrior. Wow. Now, Gideon was not a warrior. Gideon was never in the military. Gideon wasn't um, a respected, highly respected person. In fact, if, if Gideon had to choose himself or somebody else for an important task, Gideon probably would have chose somebody else. But isn't that the beauty of God? That we may not believe in ourselves, but God does. After all, he made us and we're in his image. Gideon didn't believe in himself. Other people didn't believe in him, but God believed in him. And I want you to know that God created you and God loves you. And when you do things, you're doing it with the power of God and praise God for that. So even though we doubt ourselves, even though other people might doubt us, God says something different about us. And let's focus more on what God thinks of us than what other people think of us. Let's focus more on what God thinks of us than what maybe we think of ourselves. Let's think about what our creator thinks of us. In uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 13 to 16, in the message paraphrase, Gideon replied, With me, my master, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? We're all the miracle worker, where are all the miracle workers our parents and grandparents told us about, telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian. This is Gideon complaining to this to the Lord, uh, this this angel. And God, but God faced him directly. Go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, Me, my master. How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. So I hope we continue to start getting this picture that uh, Gideon was not a picture of toughness. Gideon was not a picture of bravery. He wasn't. In fact, I think Gideon had this, this vision of God as a little God with a God in a little tiny box and that God couldn't do great things, that God couldn't deliver them. And maybe... Maybe you and I have that same view of God, that we have God in this little tiny box, but yet we want so much great things to happen, but we say, no, God, God, he can only do this, this, and this. We may not say that out loud, but maybe we're thinking it in our minds. Maybe our God is not the God of the Bible. Just think about that. 
The God of the Bible created the universe. The God of the Bible uh, uh, loves you. The God of the Bible died for you. The God of the Bible rose again. The God of the Bible gave us his word so we could fall more and more in love with him. And he, he has called us to further the kingdom of God. Our God is big. Amen. Let's not think like Gideon and think our God is small. He has a little tiny box. No, our God has no beginning, no end. Our God has always been. Our God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So if you ever feel like you're, you're not worthy to be used by God, that God doesn't want to use you or, or whatever the case may be, that's not true. God wants to use you. But you want to know what he wants from us is a humble heart. He wants us to humbly come to him and say, Lord, use me. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have everything perfect in our lives. We just got to be willing to be used by God. Isn't that exciting? God wants to use you. Say that. Say it out loud. God wants to use me. Write in the comments section, God wants to use me. Say it again. God wants to use me. So, so, so Gideon was like, oh, okay. And uh, it wasn't like everything from here on out when, when he started doing things for the Lord was, was, was super easy. No, there was different challenges. He, he still had some questions. He still had some struggles. He still had some uncertainty. But God gave him two tasks. The first one was this. God told Gideon to begin by tearing down an altar that was built to the Midianite god Baal. Or Baal. Baal. So tear down this altar. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 25b, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. God is telling Gideon to knock down this, this Baal, this, this, this idol uh, that, that you made to Baal and this Asherah pole. But you know what's interesting? You want to know who made these idols? It wasn't the Midianites. It was the Israelites. They turned from God and they made these idols themselves. And now God's telling Gideon, tear them down. And did you catch who made these idols? It was Gideon's dad. So at night, story goes on and tell us, tells us in Judges 6 and 7 that, that Gideon and his friends got together and tore down all these idols. And then the next day, the whole city came out to Gideon and his dad and said, do you see what happened? They, they tore down this, this altar to Baal. You know what Gideon's dad did? He stood up for Gideon. And check this out. He stood up for Gideon and he says, listen, if Baal is God, let Baal defend himself. That's a mic drop moment. And Gideon's faith was contagious because his dad had walked away from the faith, obviously, because he built these idols. But check this out, check it out. His faith was contagious. He was bold in the Lord and got his dad to come back and to know the Lord. When we live out our faith with humility and boldness and love, it is contagious. And let's you and I live contagious faith. Let's you and I live a life where people want to be around us, just like Jesus. Even the sinners and the worst of the worst wanted to be around Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus allowed, like accepted all their sins, no. But they knew Jesus loved them. And when they encountered Jesus, their lives were never the same. The second big challenge was this, was, was Gideon had to defeat the uh, Midianites. And Gideon was like, well, well, wait a minute, the whole army? I can't, I can't do that. 
because Gideon knew that there was a one to four odds difference, meaning uh, for every one Israelite, there were four Midianites. And then God says, look, I've already given you this journey. And in Judges chapter 7, we, we find out that, that God, like I said, God told, told Gideon, the battle is mine. I will win the battle. And by the way, Gideon, you have too many. So all the soldiers you have, the 32,000 soldiers you have, we're going to whittle all that down to 300. Because I want you to know that the battle is mine. And through a crazy series of whittling down all the soldiers, the battle was won. And God got the honor and God got the glory. And here's what I want you to understand, all of us to understand. One, God is not through with you. You might feel like giving up during this difficult time we're in. You might feel like giving up on, you fill in the blank there, but God is not through with you. Maybe today is the day you have that honest conversation with the Lord and let the Lord know where you're at. And maybe, maybe what we also realize is that this is a time when in our weakness, God is strong. And in our, in our shortcomings, God is glorified. In our, uh, you know, inadequacies, God is the one who is lifted up. So maybe, maybe it's okay to be weak and not have it all figured out and realize that God is the one who has it all figured out. Amen. And so let's live like that, like where God is honored in our lives, no matter what we do. And when God calls us to do it, let's not say, oh no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Let's just say, Lord, I'm willing to do it. May your power give me the strength and may you give me the wisdom to honor you and further the kingdom. At the beginning, I mentioned that in ninth and 10th grade, my friends and even my youth pastor told me, but later on that I would be the least likely to succeed. But I had a friend and my friend spent time with me. We would skateboard like middle school, high school, college, skateboard every day. But, but, but in high school or just about every day in high school, um, we would skateboard and we would talk at night. And for months, we would talk about faith. For months, we talk about Jesus and about why the Bible is reliable, things like this. And, and then one day, it starts sinking in. Wow, maybe I do need to change some things. But it, he was an ordinary person who had a profound impact on my life. And we're still friends to this day. And I've said all that story before. And I, I love that story because maybe you could be that person in somebody's life. Maybe you could be that ordinary person in somebody's life where you care for them and you show them the love of Christ. Maybe you could be that someone right now where right after this service, you email someone, you Zoom somebody, you send somebody a note, you call somebody and you just talk to them and see how they're doing. So we are living in difficult times and it's challenging. Nine weeks of this. But I want to just encourage you that God is not through with you. Say that. God is not through with me. God is not through with me. God is not through with me. And then say this. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. 
And now if God is not through with us, and if you and I are children of God, let's you and I live in such a way that we live in a way that we are powered by God, that it is not our skill, it's that our ability, but it's God working in and through us. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and direction in our lives. And let's seek God and say, Lord, what is it that you have for us now? And let's live by faith. God is not through with you. He loves you.